guys, it's Renee from Throwing Down with Renee and Misha, except I am joined this week by none other than Angela Hill. And on this podcast, we're going to go over the fallout from the Volkanovski and Max Holloway situation. What should the UFC do with the featherweight title fight? Plus, we go over the latest entertainment news, including the passing of Bob Saget. Also, we're going to discuss the next fight of our very own Misha Tate. Let's spin it up. Lots going on in the world of MMA. Um, huge fight that had been announced with Holloway and Volkanovski uh, three, but now this is not happening. Max Holloway out with uh, and, and he re-aggravated an injury that he had before, um, so that's not happening. But Volkanovski, tons of people are chomping at the bit to get this fight. Who do you think makes the most sense to step in? Now, this fight's not happening until March either, so a little bit of time to kind of figure out what's going to happen. Man, there's so much time, and it really makes me curious what happened to Max and why the turnaround is going to be so long because you have that much time. You would think that maybe they could reschedule, rebook the fight. Yeah a few weeks later, just because usually any injury needs about six weeks to recover. So you book that fight a little later, then it could still go on, but it must've been something serious. So thoughts go out to Max, hope he's doing okay. And I don't know, I hate to say it, but the king of cringe, I'm I'm, I'm into it, I'm into it. Hate to say it. It's it, I mean, people people will say some some of the things I do are cringy too. So maybe we have that bond, you know. Wait, I like what are the things up. that you do that are cringy? <laughs> what are your cringe moments? Well, they kind of shut it down because of the Reebok deal and the the uniform policy. But before I used to like to dress up for my weigh-ins and face-offs, and I dress up as a character. So I've I done love this. The most famous one is the Sagat weigh-in. It was the first time I got back into the UFC and I weighed in against Jessica Andrade and I dressed up like Sagat and people <laughs> went crazy. I did like the ha-ha-ha and the, you know, the stance where you're standing in that exaggerated Muay Thai stance <laughs> yes. that he does. And people went nuts. But a lot of people said, oh, it's kind of cringy. So whatever. Oh, I think it was fun. Gosh. There it is. <laughs> You're it is. amazing. I, I made my eye patch out of duct tape. I, <laughs> I had like you. the outfit that I look at. And I learned the Dalsum dance. That was one of my Invicta fight wins or face-offs. I dressed up as Dalsum. I learned the dance and everything. <laughs> so some people can find that cringy. I call it fun. I, I think call it entertainment. Exactly. You know, yeah. Why you break? Hate? Everyone be different up a little bit. Yeah, exactly. People hate yeah. when you're different unless it's cool. Dorks. But if it's cool, Everyone. then it's probably not different. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take yeah. that. All right. Yeah, so you want to see the king, the king of cringe is who you would like to see step in for this fight. What do you think the chances are of that happening? I don't know, because the way that he left the UFC was so dismissive. This guy had two belts in yeah. the UFC. He goes, hey, I think I'm going to retire. And everyone's like, bye. No, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Everyone's like, peace out. Deuces, Ludo. Get out of here. So it, it, 
I wonder how hard he's going to be negotiating for that return, if they're even going to think that it's worth it, because Sejudo, he, as he should, he values himself very highly. So I'm imagining he's asking for a, a good package once he gets back in, getting that contract resigned. Was this all defend. part of, you think this was all part of the, uh, the scheme of retiring to like make it this big comeback for when it happens, try to like, you know, tip the scale his side? Oh, definitely. He he was never fully retired. He always had one foot in the door. He was always I think he wanted to go out on top, not in the Khabib way, but in yeah. a way where he could come back in and leverage himself to get like a good paycheck once he got mm-hmm. back in. And it was really smart because the timing there there's a lot of fallouts. There's a lot of opportunities to come back in. And if he leaves on top, then there you go. The, there's know. always a case to be made for him to come back in against anyone. And he already legit, called himself the triple C. He he has called himself the triple three, triple C already. I actually <laughs> thought when he was retiring that there was like maybe a very small, small chance that he was going to wind up hmm. in WWE. I know that, that was something that he had kind of put out there. I know he's a wrestling fan. I know he's specifically a fan of my girl, Nikki Bella. I can't say that I blame him. I mean, he shot his shot. Go out there and get it. Didn't happen. Oh, oh, yeah, he sure did. He was like a big Nikki, Fe- Nikki Bella fan. He kept, I don't know if he was like tweeting her. Or what he wanted to like come down to some shows. Uh, it just it was not really in the cards for him. It didn't pan out. But I did think for a second when he was retiring. I'm like, gosh, he's got like that showmanship about him. I thought maybe that might be something that he would dabble in. But here we are. I mean, this is not the first time that he's been kind of gunning for a fight as well since retiring. So this could be an option. Um, another one of the options that I've seen kind of floated out there as well as a Korean zombie. But it seems that he's mm. also in a little bit of an injury situation. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess that's not really going to happen either. But man, I would love to see Korean zombie out there. I thought it was funny. Um, Yair Rodriguez, he last fought Max Holloway. It was a war. It was a great fight. Very competitive. But I, he he lost decisively. But Yair Rodriguez was getting real spicy on Twitter and got really mad and I don't know. I don't think this is him actually being disrespectful. I think he's just trying to do the Colby Covington thing where he says something really mean or crazy or just to get attention. So someone says, okay, yeah, why don't, why don't we get them to fight because they have beef, but he jumps on Twitter and he says, uh, he says, I had respect for you before, but now fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) I I love this. I love when someone wants to listen. I feel like every sport is more entertaining when the athletes can be entertained. Entertaining. Let's get that mm-hmm. out there. Let's stir mm-hmm. up a little drama. If you just have to go to social media to do it and go into business for yourself, I am all for putting that out there. Let's drum up a little interest any way that you can. So if you got to talk a little shit on the internet, then so be it. No one's above it. Yeah. I'm not above it. Are you above it? I mean, I've talked my shit in the day. I, I definitely have. It, it sucks when no one wants to fight you. They're like, oh, it's not worth it. Or, oh, why would I fight you? Then you got to talk a little shit. Make it spicy. Yes. Make it make it uh, intriguing for people. Yeah, so Yair's out there trying to get his, trying to shoot his shot as well. Um, that would be a fun fight to watch too. I mean, he he's always doing something crazy that ends up on a highlight reel in his fights, win or lose. So I'm down for that one as well. Are you surprised that there's so many people throwing their name in the hat for this Volkanovsky fight? I mean, who knew that he was the, the you know, the bell of the ball? 
<laughs> yeah, everyone's trying to get a piece of that. One little piece of that ass. A little piece of that. Maybe <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't think that everyone just thinks he's super beatable. I think they just want that paycheck. They want that contender paycheck. They want the chance, the opportunity to fight for the title. And what better way to skip the line than waiting for someone like Max Holloway, who really feels unbeatable outside of mm-hmm. title fights. He He's just such a, a monster. You can skip Max. Don't have to fight Max. You can skip him and fight Volkanovski, which is, you know, better reward for the for the pain that you're going to endure <laughs> while fighting one of these guys. So any, I'm, I'm there, not surprised. Do you think that there's anything to be said for just well, I guess, again, we don't really know what this re-aggravated injury is for Max Holloway. Um, because, yeah, I mean, how long would we have to wait to get that trilogy fight? Like, what what is that span? Is it worth waiting to see when that was going to kind of come to fruition? But there must be more to that, obviously, in terms that it seems like they're just kind of steamrolling and moving forward in some capacity. Well, it's such a high-stakes fight for Max that I feel like even if he just rolled his ankle – Maybe it would be good to wait where you can have a full fight camp. You don't have to worry about taking two or three weeks off. And those are the most important weeks for your for your uh, muscle memory, for working on techniques that will work against this guy, improving, getting your cardio up. If you don't have those weeks and you're fighting a guy who's a monster, who you've been neck and neck with the last two fights, of course, you're going to want to come in there fresh, come in there at least close to 100 percent. And, you know, if it's a re-aggravated injury, maybe it's something that that he felt held him back last time he fought him. Yeah. So you really have to respect the fighter's psyche as well. He's making the best decision for him, which could mean that he didn't get that hurt. But right. he's not going to feel fully prepared it. when he goes in there. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Um, how closely are you going to be watching this featherweight main event that's happening over this weekend? Because there's got to be some implications there as well, right? Yeah, this is exciting. And you know what? Volkanovski already said that he didn't want to fight Giga. He already said that. Maybe, and obviously he can't dictate who's going to take the fight or who's going to be available. The UFC is going to give them his top picks. And if he's lucky, he'll have an option or the option to wait. But if Giga goes out there and impresses, gets a knockout, he's for sure going to be the person that they're looking at for that title fight to fill in. How exciting, guys. 2022, we're off to a start here. Hi, everyone. I'm Hall of Fame sportscaster Leslie Visser, and I've got a new podcast, In Conversation, where I'll draw from 45 years of covering the Final Four, the NBA Finals, Wimbledon, the World Series, the Super Bowl, the Olympics. CBS even sent me to the fall of the Berlin Wall. I think you'll enjoy the give and take, so subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts or listen on the SXM app included in most subscriptions. Lots of news going on uh, in the entertainment world. And, you know, as much as I hate to start things off with this one, it really shocked everybody so much yesterday is the passing of Bob Saget. Uh, Just 65 years old. This is so heartbreaking. He was at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel in Orlando, Florida, um, and uh, was... uh, 
he was unresponsive in his room. Um, I know that more information has come out that there's been no sign of foul play, no sign of drug use in the case. Uh, but just it's just so heartbreaking. He is the man that I think, you know, essentially we all kind of grew up on as a Danny Tanner of our lives, a man that just loved to vacuum his living room. I so know. upsetting. Such a Super such a talented exciting. comedian, uh, just so great at what he does. It's he was one of those people, you know. You're talking about like juxtapositions of things. I remember when I first watched The Aristocrats, and I was like, "Whoa, Danny Tanner talks like that!" And like <laughs> hearing just like these really dirty jokes that he was doing, and I had no idea that he was uh, capable of such a thing. I mean, that was obviously a, a long, long time ago. Being able to to watch him do that, but um, yeah, how. How heartbreaking. It's so sad. And just, you know, seeing the outpouring from so many different people, just from people that were fans of his to people that have all worked with him. Um, you know, lots of members of um, Full House have put mm -hmm. out a couple different statements um, from, uh, you know, John Stamos to Candace Cameron, uh, even like Candace Cameron's daughter. I mean, obviously, he's been able to affect oh. all of their all of their lives. So. Yeah, how upsetting. What's do you have any like Bob Saget memories or watching? Did you watch Full House? Uh, yeah, I did. I love Full House. I watched Full House. I watched uh, America's Funniest Home Videos. Oh my god, I loved America's Funniest Home Videos. Dude, he was so good at nailing those corny jokes. I feel like yes. I got some of my corn from him, you know, <laughs> with the all puns did, yeah. and stuff. He was yeah. he was just so good at it. He made it so fun and it's it's one of those shows you could just zone out on and watch every totally. day totally and there's so many shows like that now but they don't have the same charm the same family charm that he brought to it no and, i mean like tom bergeron yeah. you know he, he tom bergeron did a great job i thought that he was really great in that spot but you're right it, like doing america's funny Home videos is a tough gig because it is very cheesy very family friendly uh but i i feel like bob saget did such a good job with that yeah, man, it's, it's a really tough one because Full House, that was definitely one of my go-to shows. You had Full House, you had Family Matters, you had Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, yeah. and yeah. all of these were those go-to shows that you would watch when you got home from school, yeah. and you felt like you grew up with them. Like, I grew up Absolutely. with the Olsen twins, you know? Yeah, and, I know. And it's so tough to see someone like that who wasn't that old. He's no, only 65 60. is not old. Like That's 65 really old. isn't old. And yeah. the, like, you know, he was, he was out, he was on tour. Like he was out doing stuff. And um, I don't know if you saw, but he, he had responded to like Betty White had just passed away no. and he had, he had actually um, responded to it saying like, well, I don't know what happens when we die, but Betty White says that we, uh, we end up meeting back up with the love of our lives. And if that's what happens and then, uh, then I'm okay with that. Um, obviously it's oh. like, you know, a lot more ominous being able to, to see him saying that now in hindsight, but yeah, just, it's so sad. And I guess, you know, kind of wait and see exactly what happened. So many question wow. marks about about what happened there, but no foul play, no drug use. Um, so we'll see what kind of happened there. Uh, but mm -hmm. you mentioned Fresh Prince. How about this Fresh Prince spinoff? Have you seen the trailer for Bel Air? I just watched it. It actually looks kind of cool. It as does. soon as I heard the idea, I wasn't a fan. I was just like, what? What are you doing? But it actually looks really well done. 
it's crazy because I well I thought the exact same thing. I was like, we did not need a Fresh Prince reboot. But then as soon as I clicked on the trailer, it was like executive producer Will Smith. I was like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. if Will Smith is overseeing this project. I also feel like Will Smith never misses. I love all things <laughs> that Will Smith does. Um, okay. I, I I do like uh, uh, you're saying that a little apprehensively. Are you not a Will Smith uh- girl? You know, I I have trouble remembering all the things he executive produced, but I do like. Oh, I mean, movie. executive producing wise, <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, yeah, that's not really what I think of. But I think of like okay. him as an actor and like the projects that he's been a part of. I just feel like he does. Cool. I feel like him and Jada do a lot of cool shit. No, they don't feel like they, I don't feel like they work on duds. No, they know exactly what they're doing and they have the capital to back it up. So it's yeah. always it always looks cool, even if it's not like the best work that he's done. It's always going to be polished. It's always going to be nice to look at. And that's what I like the most about this Bel Air tra- um, um, trailer is that they're taking a totally different way of storytelling. Like it actually yeah. looks like it's just nice. The camera follows you. I don't know why I just assumed it would be a studio Me too. with the laugh track and, you know, just stationary, uh, stationary cameras like um, mm-hmm. like Seinfeld it's or something like, like that. It's just like sitcom style. Yeah. 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 I had. So I thought the exact same thing. But then honestly, when you watch the trailer for it and you're like, wait, the backstory of the Fresh Prince could be really dark. We just know exactly. he came from West Philly, ends up in Bel Air, but we don't really know what he got up to. He's playing on the basketball court. We don't know what all happened. Mm-hmm. So I, it is actually really interesting to like look at it through that other lens and add this like darker element. Like what happened here? What's going on? Um, I do wish that Uncle Phil was like a heavy Uncle Phil, though. You know, oh, I like I like um, he is not. I like Uncle Phil to uh. be Uncle Phil. Um, but I. But yeah, yeah. Um, and also, I mean, when they did the, when they got all the cast back together for the Fresh Prince, like, look back, did you watch any of that? I No, but I did watch uh, when they tried to come together with original Aunt Viv. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. That was very uncomfortable. I know. Oh, I was cringing the whole way through that. But I that's, know. that's one of my questions is Aunt Viv, light skin or dark skin? She's dark skin. She's dark skin. Oh, so maybe yeah. that's a, another way to reach out and kind of say, hey, because that was all that was our other Biggie or Tupac. We would go light skin on Viv or dark skin on Viv. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and personally, I like the original on Viv because she had that just a, that sauciness to her. She uh-huh. had that sass. She had that presence. And I felt like the replacement Aunt Viv didn't command as much authority. True, but, true. You know, original Aunt Viv yeah. looked more like my mom. So maybe that's why I, t- I was biased. Hell, yeah. <laughs> also, Jeffrey. Jeffrey still like comes in with that Brit- British accent. He is the yeah. housekeeper. So I'm, I'm really I'm actually really looking forward to seeing this because, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure most people are like, oh, my God, we didn't need to have this roll your eyes. But then you watch a trailer and you're like, when's this come out? February. Great. Can't wait to watch that. Yeah, I'm, I am actually really looking forward to that. Yeah, um, we got to see a new Carlton hit the Carlton too. That I know. Has I, to happen. Oh, sh- that's a lot of pressure. Does he come I'm, up with I'm a worried. new dance move? I'm worried for oh, him. Oh man, a lot that's, of pressure to put those, on young. I w- dare I say that those shoes are too big to fill. <laughs> I don't know that he can do it. That's a really that's a good call. 
Um, and in the world of Kim and Kanye, we must, oh. you know, dip our toes a little bit because it, it just seems like it's never ending with these two. But we know that. OK, so Kim is with Pete Davidson. Where do you stand on Pete Davidson? Are you pro or con Pete Davidson? You don't know oh, Pete Davidson. I got to I got to look him up. <laughs> give, give him a little look up. Give okay, him a little I'm gonna, look up. I'm gonna check him out. I'm sure. I'm, OK, well, I'm you're more of a face person. Oh, sure. Okay. okay. So do you think he's what what is your level huh, of like what's your like hot ometer on him? He's so young. He's um, a baby. He is a baby. I think he looks like a child to me, so it's hard. <laughs> it's kind of hard. Kind of does look, he looks like he could be like one of those like ventriloquist um yeah. dolls a little bit. <laughs> yes. A little yes. bit. He but does. he's funny. Um, I will give, I definitely will give like, I give a little nod to like funny though. Funny, funny gets that charm. Funny works for me. Funny is always going to one up handsome. Um, sure. As well as ripped. Funny always wins. I'll date a fat, funny guy way before I date a ripped, stoic, uh, gorgeous. Agreed. <laughs> agreed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we don't need I the don't know. I just like talking. I like, I like yeah. talking to people. I like someone who can entertain me. So, okay, so if that's what he has. It seems like that's what he has because a lot of hot yeah. chicks are hooking up with Pete Davidson. So I don't know. Maybe he's got a couple other tricks up his sleeve. Um, we'll wait to see what's kind of up with that when somebody gives a little tell all. I have no idea. Um, but on the other side of things with Kanye West. So now he is... I guess been confirmed to be dating this Julia Fox woman. And they went mm. on this date they met on New Year's Eve and then they go on a date to like a restaurant. They have like a full photo shoot They're, I believe they're like making out in front of everybody. Everyone's just like watching them have this oh. photo shoot, which I find I hate having my photo taken. So that sounds like my <laughs> truest nightmare. Um, but then after that, with the follow up date, he flies into whatever town they're in, gets into a hotel and has the entire hotel decked out in like clothing racks for her to shop from would you wow. like what is your take on this i have a lot to unpack with this what is your take uh i mean it's a bit much for me but you know like i said i'm more of a personality guy if i'm dating a rich person who's just gonna wine and dine me it, i feel like it would get boring after a while but it's definitely a ride you want to ride <laughs> as long as you have the yeah, tickets. I mean, I guess cash in, be like, I'll take the purses. Just like, yes, you know, like super, just, um, supermarket sweep it. Yes, I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> just like tons of Fendi and <laughs> Yeezys. <laughs> probably, yeah, but it's probably like the like weird, like Croc Yeezys. I don't want those. Oh, man. It's, yeah, that's a that's such a strange concept, but kudos to him What I find, like, what I just find weird, like it. if we're like going to like, analyze this is like I know when I don't even know why I know this but that when him and Kim started dating that he fully changed her whole look he was like no more fake uh -huh. lashes no more like he pared her uh -huh. down and then he became like her stylist she would call him a bit can I wear this does this go together so it's a little weird that he's like I'll date you but like let me revamp you like I, I, I like your bone structure I can see the bare bones where we're going here but let me make you cooler and better kind of freaks me it doesn't freak me out a little bit that freaks me out a lot it's yeah. very bizarre what a what a like what a yeah it's I feel like that's just like the little marionette player where you're just like yeah you can be like my girl but like I'm going to dictate what you look like how you behave it's 
weird. It's definitely a red flag. It's like when you're walking with one of those guys and they don't put their arm around you. They put their arm on your neck, like on the ah! that. Oh, it's just like, oh, what are you doing? Are you my dad? Like, <laughs> yeah, get out of here. That is so Stop controlling bizarre. where I walk. <laughs> oh, God. This is Lindsay Rhodes, and I'm so excited for my podcast, The NFL Roadshow, to be joining the SiriusXM sports family. We'll be talking about the most compelling topics and to some of the most interesting people in and around the NFL. Taking a look at things through my somewhat nerdy football lens. I like to push past the low-hanging fruit to get to the real stories that are going to make you feel like a smarter football fan. So please join me every Wednesday for The NFL Roadshow, available on the SXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking news here on Throwing Down, our very own Misha Tate is now moving down to the flyweight division. Unbelievable. And uh, apparently setting up to fight Lauren Murphy at UFC 273. Apparently no contracts have been signed up to this point, but that is what is happening in the world of Misha Tate, UFC, and the flyweight division. Um, what do you think about Misha dropping down to 125? I know there's been some rumors about it. I've been asking her about it. She was being a little bit elusive about the whole thing. Here we are. Well, her girl is uh, Juliana Pena, right? So Mm -hmm. her winning the title gave her that extra incentive. And I really like this move because Misha didn't look huge, especially the day after when when both fighters get to rehydrate against Ketlin, who's a really big bantamweight she looked small she looked like the smaller skinnier scrappier fighter so i think 125 is a more comfortable fit for her especially on fight day i'm not sure how bad that weight cut's gonna be but the 135 weight cut must have been a piece of cupcake if she, <laughs> if she felt like she could cut down to 125 so i'm yeah. excited for her and lauren murphy stylistically is a really good matchup for her because lauren is more of a grappler as well um i don't think she poses as much danger on the feet as someone like ketlin does and she's gonna have a smaller opponent so they're not gonna be hitting as hard as the banaways yeah. because that is the one biggest thing is when you're getting sat on by someone who's bigger than you, but also when you're getting hit by someone who's bigger than you, you really feel that power. You feel the difference in weight. So I like that Misha's moving down. I think she's going to be able to showcase her wrestling in a, in the same way that she did before she retired. And this is a great fight for her. It's pretty cool to think of Misha taking, you know, her like four or five years off of the sport entirely to come back, have two fights under her belt already, and now to be changing her weight division. It's, I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at Juliana Pena, which, you know, you said that's that's her girl, kind of gave her a little extra incentive. It's awesome to see Misha being so down to just you know, get a little dirty out there. I know that's her style. I know it's what she likes to do. Got that like grittiness to her. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how difficult do you think that weight cut would be though? I mean, I, you know, she is definitely on the smaller side of that 135. and on the show with me, she's spoken about it a bunch saying how much she doesn't like to have to cut too much weight. She usually stays pretty close to that 135. So now for her to, you know, add in that or subtract that extra 10 pounds. Um, I I think the first one might be the hardest one because when you move down a weight class, a lot of times you have to change your body type. And that means losing a little bit of muscle, doing more cardio in order to lose that muscle. But once you get down there, then you can kind of, um, 
just stay there. You can, you can stay in that shape where you're not building in between fights. You're just staying lean, you're eating right. Mm -hmm. And the weight cut is pretty comfortable from there. And I used to fight at, when I first started, I fought at in between 110 and 106. So when I moved up to 115, if you look at photos from my first few fights, my body type was a lot different where I was more lanky and skinny muscle. Now I actually built on some muscle. And if I did decide to go back down to 105, I might have to cut off a leg. But <laughs> other, than that, other than that, I would have to do a lot of cardio, a lot of long runs just to get that muscle off that I worked so hard to build. So I think that would be her process is just doing the cardio to get that muscle down, not lifting as much and just making sure she's eating right so that she doesn't have a lot to lose with the water cut. Because when you are as lean as she looked when she weighed in, mm -hmm. there isn't much water there to cut, you know, like right. it, it's, your body needs the water that's left for your body to function. <laughs> so, it's so fascinating to me. Like when you really look at like the science of changing your body type, the fact that that you can do that alone is is really cool to me. Uh, how yeah. long does it take to do that? I mean, this fight's coming up early April. How long mm. does it take to really transform your body into that, to lose that weight? And like you said, going on these long runs, going on that cardio, changing your diet and all that. Um, I, I, it depends. It depends on what your natural frame is. I'm not sure if Misha was working to keep the weight on or if she is naturally just the size that she is. Because mm -hmm. for me personally, I have to eat, eat, eat like carbs at night every day until fight week in order to stay above 128. Like that's that's my goal for fight week. And a lot of people in my weight class, they do the exact opposite. They have no carbs after six. They're doing a lot of running. They're not lifting at all. And that's to get under 128 before fight week. So it really right. depends on what her process is for showing up. I feel like she just eats what she wants and then fight week she maybe diets a little bit and then she's good to go she's just that's her body type and she's just shredded all year round because she never really looks blown up like when I see yeah. her outside of a fight week she still looks slim she still looks like you know a little curvy so shredded yeah she looks yeah. great she never <laughs> she never looks like huge or puffy and that's what you see a lot of these girls they just look like they ate themselves and <laughs> they ate their fighter version <laughs> that would be me together. that would so be <laughs> me yeah <laughs> so, 100% so I have faith in the weight cut I don't think it's going to be tough for her so coming off of these two fights um you know the win over Marion Renault um the losing to Catlin Vieira but now going up against Lauren Murphy what do you anticipate this matchup will look like between these two you kind of mentioned some of the grappling between the two of them mm. and stylistically how they match up um, but how important is a win for Misha dropping down to 125 um, I think it's super important because she has the loss against contender Catlin Vieira. Now she's fighting another contender. Lauren Murphy is maybe a win or two away from fighting, challenging for the title again. So if she's able to beat Lauren Murphy, she skips ahead so many people in that line at 125 mm -hmm. and she can be challenging for the title in the next couple of fights and maybe even the next fight if she wins. Mm -hmm. So, oh it, you know, it's, it's scary because Shevchenko is such a monster, but we just saw a monster get slayed in the Pena fight. We just oh saw it and it's her girl and it's 
such a teammate. Like that's sometimes motivation is all you need to give yourself the edge. Sometimes all you have to do is see a buddy that's been grinding with you, get that win. And then you're just like, all right, I'm going to win. There's there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like that's going to be me too. And um, it really is cool to see. And I think she can pull it off. I think wrestling wise, she has better wrestling than Lauren Murphy. Lauren Murphy has good grappling skills, has good tricks up her sleeve, but no one really has the wrestling pedigree that Misha Tate came up with and that Misha um, shown has shown in her fights because shooting in an MMA fight is scary. You're not sure what's going to come up and hit you in the face on the way down and your momentum going down can help you get knocked out. But she's never been afraid of shooting on people. And she has so much experience setting up the shot that you don't see it coming until it's too late. So I think I think this is going to be a great fight for her. Hell yeah. Misha Tate, Lauren Murphy, UFC 273. (laughs) Cannot wait to see that. Can't wait to pick her brain about that a little bit later on. Throwing Down with Renee and Misha is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network. The show is produced by Michael Russo and Kelly Murphy. Sound designed by Nari Balin. Special thanks to Sirius XM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and Sirius XM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. Serious XM Podcasts.